When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> that was amazing. Very, very fitting for the construction life because whatever it's going to be is whatever it's going to be. That's all it is. That's how, welcome. Welcome, Stacey. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm trying to remember how did we all get connected again? So you guys had Nick O'Connor. Ty. Yes. Ty, yes. His son, Olivier, went to uh, Montessori Preschool with my daughter. Got it. And construction people, we always find each other. Yes. So Ty and I, whenever there would be like an event or something here, it would be Ty and I sitting beside each other. Blah, 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 blah. He's a great guy. I'm going to get him back on the show. He's always got a bunch of stories to share as well. So Oh, he's an amazing person. To, but I, I'm so glad that he introduced us. And now here you are. And uh, thank you for opening the show up with uh, the nerve-wracking way we do things. <laughs> <laughs> There's no budget here for a theme song. So no. we just get our guests to do it. That's how it is. Well, it loosens people up a bit too, right? It was good. That was beautiful. That was great. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. So, okay. So uh, I got to do a little bit of just shouting out and just a shout out to Ty, first of all. You know, Absolutely. Uh, he does amazing work and i've uh, i've had a few beers and sat down with him and uh, we talk construction like you said we we uh, speak our own language right so you can always ramble on for hours and hours and hours and and so he's a great guy we'll get him back on the show i want to shout out to rbs uh, underscore concrete louis over there and uh you know cold season concrete coming up and the guys are just working the trucks all the time all the time all the time so i got his hoodie on today i also want to do a little shout out to a gentleman that reached out to me recently on ig because he brought up um, a point and it's uh made america sorry made america made electric.ca is his handle and he was like hey man i was just listening to episode 297 today and i disagree with how some gc in my case electrical subcontractors i believe it's a two-way road i have told so many gcs i am not going to work with them because they do not make the profit uh, either some contractors want us to give them five-star work uh, while we are asked to give a three-star price. So it's a constant battle. I'm sure you deal with this as well, too. So I just wanted to just mention that. He's hopefully going to come on the show, and we're going to talk further about this. Um, and I think that's the extent of my little shout-outs for now. Okay. And then, okay, so let me give it the detail here for you. Uh, it's Stacy Altayebi. There it is. Tri-County uh, Brick, sales manager, uh, residential color specialist. Yeah, so I put together color packages. Nice. Um, so, although things are handled a little different in the big city, um, where you would go to like a, a C-can and you would pick your brick and you'd pick your siding or you'd pack, pick package A, B, or C, um, in our area, because we're still good old boys, um, the builders will send their customers to me. We will pick brick. We will pick stone, siding, windows, soffit, fascia, eave, the whole kit and caboodle. Because at the end of the day, that's... That's my showroom. My showroom is when people drive around our community. That's not really a color specialist as much as an exterior designer. It just sounds nice. <laughs> well, I guess it's, there's a lot to it. There's a whole umbrella attached to that. So everyone, uh, the website is www.tricountybrick.com. Your email is stacy at tricountybrick.com. And then on Facebook and Instagram, it's tri-hyphenated uh, county on brick. Um, on oh, some of them we're hyphenated, on some of them we're not. Because it other people throws the suppliers off all the time. Okay, all right. So just if you do a search and start typing it in Tri County, you'll find them. So obviously we're going to talk about brick. I love 
brick. I just, anybody who knows me, my dad was a Mason, came from Portugal, came here and was a Mason working with the guys. Um, so I've got a special fondness for brick. I, as much as there's other types of cladding out there, brick is still my, a brick is a home in my opinion, right? Agreed. I, I, I totally, brick, stone, that kind of thing. I'm not really a fan of veneers. Veneers are nice in a certain application, not necessarily for exterior application. Um, but yeah, I've, I've never really been a siding wood. I mean, I love it, but I really love brick. Right? As this modern farmhouse thing has kind of taken storm, there's not enough white siding out there in the world. And I think to myself, all is good until, you know, little Johnny's out there with the baseball and hits the side of the wall. You can do anything to the brick and it's not going to do anything but just get dirty. And then you could just let Mother Nature wash it after that. So, Stacy, where do we want to begin? I know that this, your business is generational, 45 years and counting, and it's been handed down, but it's been handed down uniquely. We are, so it, it's kind of interesting. My grandfather used to be in the ready mix. He used to have Red D mix, and he ran it with his brother for many years. Uh, he had a heart attack, so it was time in order to slow down a little bit. Decided to try his hand at home building, um, and then he's kind of looking over at these brick guys and going, wait a minute, there's a real market for this. So this would have been in Stratford or no, this was Clinton Clinton. Okay. So my grandfather started, um, in Clinton, Ontario, we grew and grew and grew. Um, you know, when my grandfather passed away back in 87, um, that kind of took down the big overall company. So today there is my aunt who runs Tri-County Clinton and there's my brother and I who run Tri-County Stratford. So two women and a man and a man, two women and a man in a, in a male dominated material industry. Absolutely. Because, I mean, if you walk into any other brick suppliers, it's kind of hard-pressed to find women, and they're helping us out, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, you you know, my grandmother, she was involved with the company as well. Um, my aunt, my mother, both, like, absolutely stellar women. Um, great advice from them. If you're going to be a woman in a man's world, you better be able to outwork. You better have the knowledge. You be better be able to step around them. And even today, I... I don't want to put my male counterparts down. Um, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I better know what it is that I'm talking about where they can talk about the Leafs game. They can talk about, you know, the football game that they watched on the weekend. I don't have that luxury um, going out for lunches. I don't do that. One, I don't want to put myself in that position. And two, I don't want to put the builder and his wife mm, in that position. Interesting, yeah. I've got an interesting little funny story. My mom is obviously my dad passed and my mom was still and still around. And she came over and helped me out in my place that I had in um, Sinclair and Dun Dufferin area. And some friends came by. We were doing some interlocking and stuff like that. And just my mom is just old school Portuguese European mentality. Right. And she's moving bricks. She's moving pavers. She's moving all kinds of stuff. And we're all my friends are coming up to me going, can you tell your mom to slow down, please? Like this is she's making us look bad. And I was like, well, maybe you guys should speed up. <laughs> so I love that hard work ethic kind of mentality coming from man or woman, but you see a lot of it coming from the women, which is great. And, and you run into it with female Masons as well. Um, there's one female Mason that I know of very particularly in our Stratford area. Um, she is second generation, learned from her father, her and her brother Laybrick, and they will tell you any day of the week she will outlay them. Who is it? I don't... Her name is Vicki Elliott. Okay. Um, from her. S. Elliott Masonry. Yeah. Really, huh? And how long she's been doing it now? <sighs> I'm going to say Vicky's a little bit older than I am. Okay. So I'm going to say she's been at it on the wall for over 25 years. That's amazing. 
Love it. And, and she, she she's just she's a total baddie. Has kids of her own. Like kind of stepped away from it when she had her kids, and just as quickly was back up on the wall. And she will she will outperform those guys laying brick any day of the week. I'm always fascinated, man or woman, getting it. Brick is not easy. It's not. Uh, you know, selling it, handling it mason like it's not easy that's one of the hard ones out of all of them there and i'm always fascinated why someone would choose that and why they go there but i think it goes back to the love like it's just you take a rectangular object and you can shape it and it turns into a home when it's a finished product like you you've got hundreds and thousands of bricks in there and they're done right and you can do certain details and you look at old school the way it was done there's a certain love attached to it when it's completed. Like you can walk away from it and you're passing the last pass on it and everything's look beautiful, the joints and everything. It just, it's, it's a different appreciation. It, it is. And I mean, Masons, and I mean, just like any trade, they chirp each other like crazy. It's just when it's exterior, you can see it all. Yes. But they're also, there's a brotherhood there too. So, I mean, it's chirping with love. <laughs> I love it. So, where do you want to begin this little journey? Because I definitely want to talk, dive deep into this and how it all got started and what you're doing and what's going on. And what's the flavor of the, the, the year these days? Are we going back to those original bricks? Or are we still doing the larger? No matter what, it's going to be larger. And, <sighs> and what's really kind of funny about that is larger brick is a Canadian thing. I know it is. What are they called again? The PR or uh, there was Premier Plus, but there's also Max Size Brick. Yeah. Um, at one point in time, there was brick that was coming out of Indiana that they called Elite Size, but all 3.9 bricks to the square foot. And even at that, there's metric jumbos. There's three bricks to the square foot that come out of Shoulders. I don't like it. I like original smaller brick. I just looks nicer. This, this is what it all comes down to. Um, if if we go back in history. Brick, when you paid your mason, you were paying him by the brick. Yeah, I know. So if you can go from Ontario size, which is six bricks to the square foot, to 3.9, guess what? You can pay your masons less money because you're paying them by the brick. So here in Canada, we have these great big brick. But you're right. You, you travel down into like Georgia, Georgia, and they have the most beautiful brick houses. Not here. And beautifully laid. Beautifully laid. Yeah. I guess, so who would have chosen that? Would it have been homeowner driven or GC driven? Um, It would have been the brick companies figuring out that when it came to the builders that, yeah, they'll buy the bigger brick. So if you're making bricks larger, it costs the same? Um, I... You're using basically the same amount of clay, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, but I mean, today, if, if you look at like the price of a brick, you know, you're actually paying more for an Ontario size brick than what you are paying for your max size or your premier plus brick. Why, Stacey? Why is that? It, just the way that it is. Just supply and demand? Supply and demand. <sighs> so everyone's just capitalism at its finest. It's oh, <laughs> if, if you want to talk capitalism. Uh, <laughs> sure, because you have a business and you're dealing with it. And I, I'm trying to remember, I can't for the life of me remember what my dad told me back in the 80s, what a cost of the brick was back then. It was pennies, right? It would oh, have been pennies. You would have been paying like 30, 40 cents. Yes. Brick today? Um, brick today, it all depends on what exactly you're buying. So if we're going Ontario size, which is a smaller, which is generally about two and an eighth high. O- Ontario, eight you're, you're probably paying around at least a buck 20. For wow. a brick. And I mean, some of the brick they're now importing from overseas because the manufacturers here, you know, they'll do the runs in order to, you know, do a little fill in here. But Ontario isn't specced. It's not um, metric. So they don't use it in commercial. This is North America. We deal with. This, this, <laughs> this is North America. If a lot of people don't understand the world of brick supply 
And it's because we're, we are a weird little entity. It's, it's not like having a uh, Home Depot or a hardware store. It's, it's a weird kind of group of people. We all know each other because we've probably all been at it for in and around the same time. Um, so back in the 50s, that's when we started seeing the tunnel kilns come into play. Okay. And that's when they used to make pressed brick in little boxes. Yeah. Now we've got these tunnel kilns. And all of a sudden, we're going from making 2 million bricks to making 28 million brick in a year. That dramatically? That dramatically. So all of a sudden, you take all these little pressed brick companies that have been around forever, and they were all using surface clays. And now in Canada, we have Canada Brick, which we're back to Canada Brick. We can talk about that later. Um, <laughs> you, you have Brampton. I've seen their facilities. I've, I've been in there, which it, is interesting. And I mean, it's it's not a young facility either. No, no. It's pretty, um, it's cool. I, I would just, I love those facilities. They're kind oh, of, yeah. They're, they're really, really neat. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Shaw Brick, which is out on the east coast of Canada. Those are the only three clay brick producers. Now, I think we have one in Alberta. I think IXL has a little facility but I think for the most part, they're just importing these days. Is it all the raw material still coming from Canada or are we importing raw material? Raw material here in Canada. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. That's that's what I really loved about it is that we're still digging our own raw material and using it and building our own bricks. And those bricks are still being shipped down south as well, too. They are. Not, now, not a huge amount, but. Because freight is the name of the game. These days. Well, even in those days. Was it really? Yes, yeah, still. Huh? Really and truly. So. Here, here's my grandfather, right? Like building houses, looking around out, out at this industry. And I've got I've to assume the same thing was true of, um, you know, I look, actually, I wrote it down here. Don't worry. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> like um, Patines was started in the 50s. Merkley Supply, which is Ottawa, was 1955. Mason's Masonry, 1966. Farrell's Brick and Stone, 1971. Then there's Tri-County. We started 1977. So all around around the same like a 10-year period you've got these all of a sudden you don't have these itty bitty little pressed brick mm. that is being made now you've got these tunnel kilns and as i said you go from 2 million to 28 million and i mean they don't have the infrastructure they don't know how to do this so you know you start looking around and you start making deals so my grandfather he was quite famous he um he would take brick and import it up on cn rail cars and he would sell it Right out of the CN rail cart because there was such a demand for it back in the early. You'd have the 80s. pallets right on the the cart. Oh, it would, it would be it would be coming off like really? nothing be, because you couldn't find brick. And then finally, Canada Brick came to him and they're like, "Listen, we need you to sell our brick. So here's what we're going to do: we're going to put some territories in place. Yeah, you can sell the brick. This is how much you can make doing it. But we really need you in order to support the Canadian clay. Smart, smart, but. As time has gone on, so we're talking about capitalism, um, <laughs> as, as time has gone on, you know, it's not the same people that were there on the corporate level. So Canada Brick, Brampton Brick, it's not the same people that started the company. Did it the sharks come in? Is that what happened? That's kind of what's happened is we're still, you know, we're still out there, you know, giving her hell. We're still out there like, you know, we want to get this up on the wall and it's not... We're not necessarily out there saying like, hey, you know, buy your brick from me because, you know, I, I, I can sell it for the cheapest. 
we're out there doing what we do because we've got masonry in the veins and we have an impact on the architecture and what goes on. I agree with you 100%. It's just I would have a problem having a conversation about brick with somebody who doesn't have rough hands. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, my hands are <coughs> relatively soft. No, no, no. You know what I like, <laughs> That's where the masonry in the veins, which I love that expression. Um, and, and the corporate guys would come in. Excuse me. I got to just. <coughs> the corporate guys would come in and look at numbers. They would look at bricks like those 28 million and going, okay, let's push that 28 million every single month and get it out there and just, but not understanding the end person. And let, let's do it through a dealer network. So let, yeah. let's be honest, at the end of the day, the manufacturers are making more money than what the brickyards are in, in, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. At the end of the day, I my truck goes in, it picks it up, it takes it to site, it delivers. There is a, there is a cost to that. Now, if there's an issue, who's dealing with the issue? It's us who's you dealing guys. with the issue. We, we've got to go through, we've got to do all this song and dance in order to get the issue registered, what they're going to do about it. And I mean, nobody wants to deal with issues, but we are, we're the ones, we work more for the builders than what we do even for our own brickyards. Um, what is your favorite brick? Do you have a favorite? Can you? It changes. I am so basic. There's not now, one now, go-to brick that you've always... If you want to, if you want to talk stone, okay, let's mix in stone with that. <laughs> let's mix in. What is your favorite stone? Um, hands down, without a question of a doubt, Airscraft. Really? Any day of the week. Really? Any day of the week. They've got a good product. They've got a good product. Um, they've got really smart staff. Yeah. Um, I've got to give a shout out to my girl Sarah Steele from Airscraft. Yeah. Um, she asked me a question. I'm going to say we're going back about three years ago. And she said to me, she goes, Stacy, what makes Tri-County Brick special? And let me tell you, it pissed me off. I, I saw red, but it sent me down a little bit of a path because it really got me thinking again. What does separate us out from the other brickyards that are out there? One, we are a little bit of a smaller unit. And I've always said smaller ships move faster than big ships. Mm-hmm. But in our infancy, when we started... We started as an Angel Stone dealer. Angel Stone is Aeroscraft. And Aeroscraft, what kind of bit them in the butt was they would produce just this color, just this color, just this color. And so it took the brickyards kind of taking those different colors and blending them together and getting them up on the wall. So it really, it made me step back from it all and start going, you know what? I'm really good with a box of crayons. Let's start blending some of this stuff up. And once you start doing that, your reputation starts preceding you before yeah. you get there. And people go, yeah, I don't want the same ticker-tacker subdivision built house. And it's, it's interesting. In Stratford, we, we have a, a subdivision that is done by the local builders. And you can see in phase one, there's a, there's a little bit of Aeros craft in there, a yeah. um, little bit of shoulder ice, but a lot of permacon, a lot of concrete. Yeah. Then in the second phase, it's almost exclusively permacon concrete. That's, it almost feels like a trend these days, that, that kind of cold concrete look for a brick. Well, the, what it really comes down to is you can get a brick that matches the stone. And mm. homeowners are terrified of making mistakes. So if you can match this to this, done. Okay, I, I, I want grays. Okay, here is your gray. Here is the brick to match. It's, it's not even a conversation. It's just here it is prepackaged. But we go into phase three of the subdivision. And you can tell I've really, 
I really started getting my teeth into it. Yeah. And it's everything is custom blends. We've got beautiful aircraft up. We've got clay brick up on the houses. Like it's. Do you guys still sell Angel Stone? Angel Stone is aircraft. So it's basically transitioned to that. It, it, I it, know Angel Stone from the 50s and 60s, where so I don't know why it became popular back then. It's because it was out there. Okay. Right. So. so Aeroscraft, Angel Stone, is not concrete. What other, what material is it? So it's made from crushed natural stone and okay. sand. Okay. Then they add pigment into it, and then it goes through a boiler system, heated together, and then rocked by hand at their facility in Cambridge. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It is as close to natural stone as you are going to get before going into natural stone. So it, it works. You can take a chisel to it, chisel the ends off it. You want to create a whole new look on the face. I have had masons take uh, the brick cameras and they just, they slam the faces of the stone. Completely different stone. Hmm. So you would lean towards that instead of a traditional common brick kind of thing? I would lean much more towards aircraft as opposed to necessarily concrete. And it's, in this industry, when you start seeing everything go up on the houses, you reach a point where it's just like, okay, okay, enough. Like, if we start getting a little ticker-tackery, and it's just like, okay, there's a blue one, there's a gray one. I know. Then, I it's, know. then it's time in order to shake things up. Are you a fan of the new, I guess they would be European style, which is the really long bricks that are coming out? Um, I am, but, but again, we don't see a whole lot of that in residential construction. No, you see a lot of commercial construction with that, but I just, I, I always said that a lot of stuff that comes into resi comes from commercial. It does. Right, so I, I just figure that in the next 10 years, we might start seeing a lot of that coming in. But there is a premium on those kinds of bricks, right? There is, because again, we're, we're talking about changing the size of the brick. Yeah. And of course, they're more long linear brick. They're more expensive because they're not as produced as often. Supply and demand enters yeah. in. Yeah. But no, we, we see commercial products coming into use all the time. Even um, Scandinavian farmhouses um, became a real thing in the last couple of years, and it's you know, got these long linear sidings that are on them. Those are commercial products because yeah. regular residential siding does not come that long. So what are you hear it all the time because you get the masons coming in. Oh yeah. What's their biggest gripe these days? What's the go-to that you constantly hear like Monday through Friday through Saturday? Labor. 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 So that's, I mean, that's the biggest problem in this whole industry. It is. Right. And then not everybody's jumping into masonry. No. <laughs> Because you've got to pay your dues. You do. You're right. And, and a lot of the kids don't want to pay their dues. And they've heard all the horror stories about paying those dues. Um, and, but you also got to find, I, I love that there is a big chunk of younger generation co going into brick, but I don't think it's as much as, as any other trade out there. No, I, I think the world of masonry, and, and I mean, it's always kind of been this way. It's your grandfather was a mason. Your father was a mason. Now you're a mason. You know, it's, there is a love that is past from generation to generation that, you know, yeah, we are going to work hard. And that's the thing is you work hard as a Mason. You even work harder in the winter months that are fast approaching us, right? You Absolutely. start getting into tents and propane and heating and 
then you got to be careful safety and all kinds of stuff and make sure that everything's properly done because if it's not curing properly then you get, it's just nightmares potentials of nightmares is well all and it is. even fighting with the builders to like leave the propane on because propane's not cheap no i know and that's the other thing too so you got to have security while you're there the whole time and it's all throughout it's not when you just lay it we all know that it's got to cure and it still takes time to cure and like oh, a yeah. month's worth right so it's just like and this is canada I, i've had so many people from outside of this country do you guys still brick in the winter of course we do like well you're not gonna get a bunch of masons just sticking around just doing nothing they're gonna work they have to work no but they're we've always said there's a marked slowdown so january february march um at tricana we've always said we're just paying the light bill that that is all we are doing for those three months our builders are still very much building but they're not building at the same rate and a lot of it it comes down to they're not stupid people they know that that propane is an extra cost. They know that, you know, having the Masons tarp up is an extra cost. Yeah, You have to. I, I really want to ask you about how was the transition? I mean, your grandfather and everybody, uh, they built the business a certain way. Obviously, you guys improved it and innovated it. What kinds of things did you guys tackle when you first started looking at, I guess, opportunities? So I, when my brother and I really came into it, so my parents have been retired now for roughly 10 years. Yeah. Um, when we kind of took it on, and, and my parents will tell you this quite honestly, they, they had this ship. We built the ship bigger. We were young. We were hungry. We had something to prove. And I'm not saying that we're not still young and hungry, um, but we wanted to go after market share. We wanted a bigger company. We wanted to build it smarter. So... When you start looking at all of those things, you're looking at trucks, you're looking at people, you're looking at everything in order to try and take something that was this small. So we always call it the three-legged stool because any business at its core is a three-legged stool. You've got accounting, operations, and sales. Mm -hmm. um, and how do we grow this bigger but in a controlled kind of way? Um, so we've, just, we've learned that it can't always be our truck. Sometimes we got to pay the freight. Because you want to get the product out there. You want to get it moving. You have to get it moving. How far does it go? Where do you guys deliver to? Um, for the most part, um, we, are, we do Perth County. We do Huron County. We do Oxford County. And depending on what it is, depending on whether there is a territory that is involved or not, I've done projects in North Toronto, like up in King City. I've done, there was a house I did a couple years ago out in Acton. Um, and I did one out near like Cam Lackey. Where is that? That's down near Sarnia. Oh, okay. All right. So you're going all the way that way. But I mean, for the right project, for the right builder. And I mean, for us, it's making sure that we have the right clients that fit us and we fit them. I want to talk about, I want to have a, I guess, let's talk about the big players and versus the mom and pops. I've always been a fan of the mom and pop shops like your guys and the underdog, so to speak. But I mean, any level of construction, you're going to get these big corporate players come into it and try to figure out a different way. Uh, so I want to talk about that, but I want to just share a little bit of history here. Uh, tallest brick structure. Uh, the Anaconda Smelter Stack, an industrial chimney uh, built as part of the uh, Wasso, Wasso Smelter. I have no idea how to pronounce all this stuff. By Anaconda Copper Mining Company in 1918 near Anaconda, Montana. 162.2 uh, meters, 555 feet. We're trying to be metric and imperial conscious. Uh, tall and 26.2 meters, 86 feet wide at its base. Uh, operational from May 1990 to 1980. 19, 1919. 
1980. Um, rather than having many smaller chimneys, the designers chose to make a single giant chimney for the whole complex. It was built from close to 2.5 million bricks and designed to handle 3 million cubic feet of exhaust gases per minute, transported to the chimney through a network of flues. Before the chimney, the complex had no filtration and released an estimated 20 tons of arsenic particulars per day, sickening in local population and killing livestock. Oh, this is all this is all happy-go-lucky stuff here. Uh, after its closing, much of the Wasu smelter was raised uh, to the ground by uh, EPA, of course, and it was contained uh, beyond recovery, uh, contaminated beyond recovery, and with extremely high concentrations of poisonous heavy metals, including arsenic, lead, copper, uh, zinc, and beryllium. Uh, the local campaign to make it a historical site saved the stack from being demolished, but visitors can only gaze at it from a distance, and the surrounding area is still too toxic for people to enter. Well, I didn't even know that. That's Montana. Hannah. all right so that's a little bit of history <laughs> how is it playing in the corporate world is it fun so here's the thing here's the thing there is no brickyard that is technically corporately owned they're still small we are still old family owned hmm. when, when you take and i mean that's right down to mason's that's right out to patines that's right out to Farrell. like it's still there is and I think it's because nobody would actually want us. <laughs> is that why you think it is, really? Well, in in, in there's all, such tradition. There, there is such a tradition, yeah. right? In in as I as I always come back to, it's in the veins. Um, but all of us have had to find ways in order to diversify. So some of those companies they do landscaping. Some of those companies they do roofing and drywall. Ourselves, we do roofing and we do fireplaces. Fireplaces actually makes up a really huge chunk of what it is that we do now today. Um, but I mean, there's no, there's no Canada brick brickyard now. At one point in time, um, we had a location up in Walkerton, and so there's a company named called Shouldice, and they're up in Shallow Lake, Ontario. Okay. Um, it's still family owned and operated. It's the last, last of its kind here in Canada that I am aware of. Um, they didn't like the fact that there was a Tri-County Walkerton because the guy that ran it can, and, and I mean, everybody in this industry, they are a character, but I mean, the brick world, they are, they are big. <laughs> Magnified. They are big personalities. <laughs> and Ken could sell ice to Eskimos. So he was bringing up brick from a company called Belden Brick, um, which is out of Canton, Ohio. Okay. Um, one of the oldest companies. Um, he was bringing brick up from them, selling it up there in Walkerton. Nobody could figure out why or how, because Belden Brick is not an inexpensive brick. And I mean, you add in the freight, and it's really not an inexpensive brick. Um, so what I call Daddy Shouldice decided that he wanted to purchase it, and he opened up Shouldice design center okay well it wasn't very long after he passed away that the boy sold it off mm. and it's there's a difference between being in manufacturing and there's a difference in being a brick hustler and it's a lot of a lot of these companies in their infancy what they kind of figured out is you don't just want to sell the brick the brick is a part of what we do but you've got sills angles masonry ties poly tar weeper vents all of these things that go in. And if you can make a business out of going out to that house, measuring it all up, shipping the brick out to site, and you're selling it to the builder, you're not selling it to the trade, there, there's some money to be made in that, right? And there's, there's money to be made in the smaller communities where they're not being serviced, 
Like Stratford is not Toronto. No. And it hopefully will never be Toronto. Uh, no, there, there's an awful <laughs> lot of people from Toronto that oh, seem I know, to be women west. Yeah, I was. I mean, you you bring up a really good point. I wonder how many Masons or crews, or I guess this is more dictated by the clients. They're actually bricking the homes properly. Like you talked about, all the other little components that are attached to just that single brick. There's still a proper way of doing weepers, or, or sills, and all kinds of those details. Are they? still doing it or are they kind of pulling back a tiny bit because the customers don't want to spend all that extra little cost on we'd rather just leave a hole here for a weeper instead of actually putting a weeper grill or anything like that or having a a proper four inch limestone still or like having a full piece instead of joints and all kinds of things like that are they is that where they cut corners no they don't no and i think what it ultimately comes down to is we are one part of the building envelope that nobody understands yes you are very good for bringing that up. Yeah, yes, you are very much. So the Masons, they've been taught how to do it and how to do it properly. So you don't end up with a, when you're in a small town, and I mean, I, I'll say small town, but you've got, you know, Stratford, you've got London, which still has that small town, yes. you know, feel to it. Everybody knows each other. Everybody knows each other's work. The fly-by-nighter does not work because, you know, your reputation will catch up to you. And that'll be it. So you see that. Oh, yeah. And do they come in, though? Like the the, I, the the under, the I guess the cash guys or something like that, they'll come in and try to get jobs? Or? I think we're going to. So we haven't seen it so much in the last couple of years. You but see I, it all the time here. All the time here. And what it ultimately comes down to is there's not enough people in order to do the work. Out our way, we can always use more people. But as things start to lean out a little bit, as there is less building that is going on, um, the boom is effectively over, we're going to start seeing people get hungry. And when people start to get hungry, that's when you start seeing those guys start to travel in. Yeah. So we got to just keep our ears out for them, and that's it. But, I mean, it's going to be too tempting by clients or GCs to hire potentially the wrong crew. Well, and we, we often find... The local guys do not want to go work for the Toronto guys. So there is, I won't mention who the builder is. There is a very large builder that has gone into Atwood, Ontario, which is this teeny tiny little, and they're up there building townhouses. They are having a heck of a time getting a mason in order to come and do the work for them because Toronto guys have burned the local guys before. Interesting. So all of a sudden the paperwork goes in and, and, you know, the extras start getting crossed off and I'm not paying you for that. I'm not paying you for that. And it's just like, you know, the extra is the second story. Yeah. You've got to have more scaffolding in order to be able to do that. You've got to maintain that scaffolding. You've got to be able to go up higher. So they're not even taking care of the crews and then just burn me once and that's it. Exactly. But in Toronto, <sighs> you, bur- you, you burn a crew, who cares? You, you know, you're crew. on the decks. The, in our neck of the woods in Perth County... This mason is related to this mason, is related to this mason. I'm liking the small town. And it all ties back because yeah. there, there would have been one mason that started them. Are you guys keeping up with the med? I mean, I can only assume the last two years has been insane. So if, if you talk to my girl, Anna, at Canada Brick on the order desk, she'll tell you there was definitely times over the last few years where there was emails coming in at one o'clock in the morning. And this is, this comes down to how I am built and I am built just a little bit different. I am aware 
at the end of the day, if I can't put brick on site, if I can't put masonry on site, that mason doesn't eat because it's not just me who's short. It's everyone across the board who is short. So here I would be going around all of my builders. And I mean, typically it's been like pizza delivery gone cold. You know, okay, here's the house. Here's what's on it. Yeah, just go and measure. You could, you know, no blueprints. Yeah. Right. J- j- just go and do your like thing. Cowboy. I know. Oh, oh, it, it, it totally is in our, our, our neck of the woods, right? Because nobody really thinks about us. They want to think about pretty tile. Um, so here I am going around all of my builders and I'm like, listen, this is the situation. This is where we are at. I know that this is not typically something that we have to ask you for, but I need you to send me through all of your plans. I need you to tell me approximately when windows are going to come because windows were such a big issue um, that I could basically say, okay, the windows are going in. Yep, then we're going to need brick decks, right? Trying to think ahead of them and how they think. Um, send me all your blueprints. So here would be me, and it would I would get home um, from work around 5.30 at night have dinner with my husband and my daughter, 7.30 until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, issuing purchase orders through, knowing that if I did not issue that purchase order right then and there, that we were going to be 16 weeks to six months out from being able to get brick. And at, at the grand scheme of things, you've got these great big monster track builders in Toronto that gobble up the brick. Mm. Like it's going out of style. Like we're, we're dropping the bucket by comparison to what goes on in Toronto. But at the end of the day, it is me who has to be able to look at those masons and say, sorry, I, I can't get you product. And right now, I'm, I'm sure you've been hearing this, there's a Portland shortage that's going on. Yeah, That Portland shortage affects masonry. Um, in order to be able to get... When did it begin? So I'm going to say about two years ago... Federal white kind of went out. There there was no federal white masonry in order to be had. So it was just like, okay, you know, not a big deal. Federal white, except for the fact that here we are in the world of modern farmhouse where everybody wanted white yeah, mortar. wants white mortar, yeah. So it even affected at the manufacturer level because they can't get their hands on white federal white Portland in order to be able to produce federal white concrete, brick, stone, Bricks. all the rest of it. Um then I'm going to say we came around into this spring and that's when Portland really kind of hit the fan. And I always say, you know, the beauty of Tri-County is that we are such a small ship that we can redirect our sails. Yeah. Um, as soon as I got a whiff, a sniff, anything of it, I said, I turned to my shipper and I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to order two loads of masonry every single Monday. You're going to set something into your outlook and you are going to order two loads of masonry in order to land into this yard. And he's just like, oh, I don't know about this. I'm going to have to talk to your brother. He's, what, concerned that you're going to stalk? Uh, just, con- just concerned. Where the hell are we going to put all of this? Yeah. So then I went to my brother, and uh, my brother's just like, no, we can't do that. Like, they're, they're just going to, like, cancel them off. I'm like, no, I need you to call our rep from St. Mary's Cement, and you need to have this conversation with them about how all of this is going to flow for the next few months. And sure enough, we started putting in two POs every single Monday two truckloads in order to come land in. So as I'm looking around at like my competition in the industry, um, one of the big brickyards that that I know of, they have four yards. They were getting one truckload in order to service all four yards. And here's little old Tri-County sitting all high on the hog hmm. because these trucks are now rolling in with the masonry. Now, 
The trick with all of this, and you have to be really careful, is I can't just turn around and sell that out through the back door. Because one, there's not enough money in masonry in order to run the truck. No. But you can't sell all of your masonry knowing that you still need it in order to be able to supply the guys that you already supply. Yeah. So here I am, it, 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 it would be, um, the trucks would be rolling in, I'd be out there with like the iPhone taking a video and I'd be just like, you know, Mount Everest ain't got shit on me, baby. <laughs> were the other guys just surprised that you were looking ahead and realizing something's coming? They'd have to be looking over the fence. Yeah, that's the only way. That's the only way. So I had builders of mine, especially out towards London Direction, that were approaching a large builder of mine and being like, where are you getting your masonry from? And he just basically laughed and laughed. And he's going, if you ain't buying your brick from her, <laughs> she ain't selling your masonry, buddy. So they were envious at that time. And then you didn't have a shortage at all. And we didn't have a shortage at all. We did not run out of masonry. We Other yards they were having in order to switch over to premix. Um, they were having to um, hook on to another manufacturer in order to try and pull their product but this portland shortage extends all the way across north america this is not just a canada issue it's just you've got to be able to move when you got to move and for me at the end of the day it's all about i know that mason needs to put food on his table if i don't do my job he can't do his job and what kills me is i'm not a peacock right i'm i am not one of those people that i'm going around and i'm telling people hey you got brick because I was up till one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and it, it, it's to my detriment and I know it because I, I, I've been told it many times over, but it's, you know, I just, I want to do what I do. I want to do it. To you the know, best the, of my you ability. know, the circle, you know how it, you, it, it's almost like a mortarboard. Like you are still feeding the Mason what they need to do their job. So then they can have a successful productive day and then go home to their families, and then come back and do it all over again, and all over again, over and over. We're really and truly, um, so I mean, we've done all kinds of different training and stuff over the years, and, and one of the things that I talk about with uh, my brother, passion, best at, and profitability. Mm -hmm. And you've got to lead with passion. You've got to figure out what you can be best at. And if that means that if I say that my boom truck is going to be there to deliver shingles at 2 o'clock, come hell or high water, that boom truck will be on site at 2 o'clock. It is going to do what it is supposed to do because we honor our word. Good for you guys. Do you know how to lay bread? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't get me wrong. The, 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 listen, listen, my dad was a mason. He tried to teach me. I couldn't pick it up. And I would get a smack on the head every time I tried and he just didn't understand how I couldn't pick it up. And it was the one thing I couldn't. And I still to this day, I, I can try to do it, but I don't want to do it because I'll put everybody else that's a real skill, labor, trade, tradesperson. 100%. to shame, right? I just like, they'll just roll their eyes and go, get away from me, Manny. Like, I know and I get it. I, there's an art to it. There is. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's an art. But I mean, there, there are times where I look over and I just go, you know, what a life. What a life. Because, I mean... You're there with a crew. You're not typically, unless you're in restoration, um, you're there with a crew. You're working with like the same men and women day in, day out. You're working on the line. Everybody's just doing what usually you got the crank, the tunes cranked up. And that's how I can always tell whether it's a happy job site or not. The music? And, oh, no, whether guys are singing. It's true. The happiest, the happiest employees are the ones that are singing. That's very, very true. And so, you know, here they are, they're laying on the line and, 
you know, they're talking bullshit all day. It's not, and sometimes I think, I think they just, they're there and they're just kind of thinking of, Ways in order to mess with people. <laughs> we, we, we had one, um, we have one Mason, and I mean, everybody knows him down in our, in, in our area. Um, I call him Crazy Carlos. Be, him, and, him and his brother Manny, beautiful Masons. The things that I have seen them do with Brick and Stones over the years, I, I, I'm a fan. I'm an absolute fan. But they're just... They're just a little rough around the edges. <laughs> and there have been times where, you know, if we forget like a, a three-foot angle, he will take the 17-foot-six garage door. And chop it? And he will chop oh. it because he knows we need to run a transport truck in order to get it there. You can't hang that out the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> He'll do that on purpose. Oh, you know what? He's gotten he's gotten better with age. I'm laughing because it's kind of something I would do as well, too. Right? But I mean, <laughs> but but it's just like you you know you think to yourself like, is this what they're doing? Are they just like laying on the wall all day, just thinking like, okay, I know, you know, what it is? I know how they, I'm going to get them. They're so good at laying bricks, they can just do it in their sleep that their mind starts to wander, and they're like, okay, what are we going to? Well, we're going to sing, we're going to sh- shit talk, we're going to do all kinds. Of, what are we going to do for lunch? We're going to figure this out. Come up with the jokes all that they're just their mind is just spinning because they're laying bricks perfectly mm-hmm. they're like we got this we totally got and the crew has got this absolutely and everybody knows their role you know from the guy who's mixing the mortar to the guy yeah. that's laying the brick in the wall to the guy who's running the zoom boom around to the back of the house and getting the scaffold staged ready to go like it runs like a well-oiled machine yeah it is are you seeing all the crews that you're seeing are they that group of older and then that group of much younger and nobody in between. We've got a really good mix yeah. of all of it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think the pandemic took a lot of the good old boys. They left? They left. For good, huh? Yeah. They're it, like, I'm tickling retirement. I'm going to get out of here now. Yeah. Good for them. I mean, they want to go enjoy life. Absolutely. Right. You earned it. You had one of the hardest trades out there. You've done a lot of work. You can drive around different neighborhoods. I did that. I did that. I did that. My hands are on those bricks. Absolutely. That's pride. Yeah. So by yeah, all means. And I mean, I do the same thing too. Like I, I know when I've hit magic and I mean, I work with some really amazing builders who put together some really amazing plans and you know, I can drive down that street and I can be like, yeah, I did that. Yep. I put that blend together. Oh, that one. Yeah. That's my custom blend. Yeah. It's a good feeling. Absolutely. So where do you see the business going from here then? Your business itself. I know that there's, I guess, the industry itself, but your business. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I think we're you getting... You and your brother haven't kind of... Oh, no. My, my, my brother and I, we are thick as thieves. And I mean, we also, we understand that, like, they don't make them like us anymore. We are not your typical millennials. You know, we, we kind of, we joke in the back office sometimes about the snowflakes. And I mean... <sighs> We have one bad Google review from a guy that came and worked on the desk for for half a day and basically told my brother that he's hostile. <laughs> and my brother is such a, I love my brother to pieces. He, he's a bit of a duck. You know, the bad crap just hits him all day and it just kind of slides off the back. And like, we need that between the two of us because if it were me, like, I'm losing it. <laughs> um, but no, we... We had talked um, at one point in time, you know, expanding more locations. Um, 
now we're getting a little bit older where we're heading towards like our 40s and now it's you know looking to the next generation my aunt she has her daughter who's just coming into the business now they're interested oh yeah yeah oh yeah okay good and her so my aunt's other daughter her husband has now come in in order to drive truck for them we had another cousin um, now he's left in order to go back to farming but he was he was in there doing sales as well running the truck doing all kinds of things it's you know our grandparents built this and it's something that we have to honor and for kevin and i we always say this is the third adam's child hmm. because when we were growing up we didn't eat dinner until 7 30 at night because until that truck loaded it ran in we unloaded it got loaded back up we weren't having dinner until 7 30 yeah. at night because that's what the business required so true so in terms of like you know what's the next 20 years bring Beautiful houses, man. Beautiful houses. That's all you can do because it's, that's been the last 45 years. Just been beautiful houses. Well, and, and you never know what's going to happen. You never know, you know, as all these corporate things are going on, you never know what direction they're going to head. Um, when I was, I'm going to say 21, um, before I got married, I, I was with my now husband. I actually went to go work for a brickyard in Burlington. So I was working for CA Building Products, which okay. was affectionately known as Capric, yeah. because the little Italian guys, they didn't really like the CA Building Product. Um, and when I was working for them, they were a second generation, and he still got a smaller shop by appointment to do like veneers and some landscaping stuff. Um, but when I was working for him, we would hear like the stories of like yesteryear. And I mean, the stories of yesteryear ranged all the way from like, they used to be really famous for having their Christmas parties. They'd have like strippers that would come in and dance on the desks and they'd be in the back playing poker. Like it, it was a thing, right? Like brick was cool, man. Okay, wow. All right. Um, but then it would also range to, you know, shortly after the owner's father, Jack Meehan had passed away, who was also instrumental in, you know, the formation of some of the brick companies. Um, they basically, they stepped in and they took away the line. They took away the brick line and they were moving $10 million in brick a year. So you figure out moving $10 million worth of brick, just brick per year, the number of salespeople, the number of people in logistics, the number of people in accounting that you now have to let go because somebody in corporate made a decision. Wow. So, I mean, we're a wily bunch. We're, we are resourceful. Justifiably. And, and, and we're resilient. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's always so much that is going on. And whether it be from the manufacturer side, whether it be from the builder side, whether it be um, developers that are coming in from like out of town. And I mean, when those developers come in, yep, they bring their builders and there's, those builders are just like, well, I got a relationship over here. And it's just like, okay, but you're building houses in this community. And I always say, you know, I, I, I look at the sales guy that I, I have that I work with. He has two young kids. They play hockey. They play baseball. They are involved in everything. Um, we will sponsor some of those teams as well. But when he gets paid at the end of the day, his dollars go back into our community. If you're a builder and you come into little old Stratford and you're building a house, the people that live there are spending their dollars back to you, but then you're taking it back to wherever it was you came from and those dollars are going back into those communities. That's a great feeling. It's a very, very good feeling, 
right? I like all that. that. Local supports local. Yeah, which is great. And it doesn't happen all that often because corporate gobbles up local. That's it, just... And it does. But I mean, we've all kind of found each other in the world of construction, right? So it, on our fireplace end, we work with a company called Zen Woodworking. Okay. Those are those guys love them. Um, true, true trades tradespeople like you know it, you throw something weird at them and they're just like yeah we, we'll figure it out we'll figure it out we're here for <laughs> you want to do a furniture kick yeah yeah let's do it never done it before but we'll figure it out but they're local guys yeah. and we work with them because they're not some big you know corporate entity. Um, my brother when he was growing up he was really good friends with this guy Tony Culleton of Culleton Carpentry. Okay. So any of these like little jobs where you know, you, you get those clients now that don't just want you to come in and install the fireplace. They want you to install the tile that goes around it. They want the mantle. So you got to be able to have people within your local vicinity that are going to do what it is that they're going to say. And that makes it really easy for local to support local. So, Stacy, you're dealing with everybody. You're dealing with the masons, the GCs, the architects, the homeowners. Favorite to least favorite group. Who do you like dealing with who you don't really are not a fan of dealing with so much? I like everyone. Yeah. Good the, answer. <laughs> um, some of the stuff is, but what it is that I'm ideally looking for is I am looking for our ideal client. No matter who, whether it's a mason, whether it's a builder, um, if you're sitting there to me and, and you want to chew on price and chew it down all the way to the floor, you're not necessarily my client, but if you step in and you say, this is what I want to build, this is what my vision is, I don't care whether it's a skirt or whether it's a full house, let's go, let's, let's do something. Let's talk about it. And a lot of my builders, like bless them, they will talk me up before the homeowner ever comes into me because the exterior is the part that everybody has the hard time with. They've, they've changed carpets, they've painted, they've done a kitchen, Whatever it happens to be. And I mean, nobody ever sees that. But the outside, you do it once, you do it right, it's, and if you cock it up, it's... It's a, it's such a commitment. It is. And I guess nobody really wants to be responsible for that commitment. Fully. I'm in. I know that I'm you in. are. You, you're up for the challenge on that, right? Because you've seen it. To, and it's not that you're dismissing it. Like, every house is a different opportunity to actually try, here, this is the best. These are the best options. This is the color selection that we think we should go with here. But versus homeowners, they're really on the fence because it's such a commitment. And I'll always start with like, hey, if you got any inspiration or if you've been driving around, if you have anything, like, you know, send it through to me. Because oftentimes I can see something that they're not necessarily oh, seeing. Sure. Like, yeah. you know, do they like things calm? Do they like things with a little bit more range? You know, they're picking all the same style, different colors, but they're picking all the same style. And then it allows me in order to go back and kind of put together some ideas because I've now gotten a vision into what it is that they're seeing. Because I, I, I'm a believer, like in the price of like brick and or in the price of stones, at least, everything's basically within a dollar a square foot. It's not dramatic. So whatever you're choosing, unless you're something exotic. It, yeah, if, if you're really outside the realm. Yeah. Or if you're going into like natural stone, but most people building in a subdivision everything's within a dollar a square foot pick what it is that you want it's very very true and let's let's not just create a ticker tacker world <laughs> you're me on the same wavelength here because i get so frustrated but i mean do you not get so dejected where it's like they've chosen 
the safest way to present their brick and then you're kind of slightly disappointed as a result? I do run into those customers. So it it's it's kind of funny because things are things are always cyclical. Yeah. Um I talked about that subdivision in Stratford where they're now into like phase 3. So I remember distinctly in like phase 1 there was there wasn't a whole lot of the stone going up. And so on one of them, I convinced one of the builders, let's throw some black in there. Let's throw like a, a 10, 15%. And it wasn't something new. It was stuff that was, you know, being done in other areas. But once we did that one and threw the black in, all of a sudden you start seeing it like phase two, phase three. Everybody's. Then in phase two, there was, um, I was working with one of the, the um, project managers from Hyde Construction, Robin. And we were kind of, we were taking a couple of stones and we're like, okay, let's blend these two stones like up in together. And so it went on their model home. It was beautiful. Now we're over in phase three. Now there's like five or six of those houses that all have that same blend on them. So it, it can get a little tiresome, but for the most part, you know, people, people have been prepped before they come in to see me. They know that I'm there in order to take care of them. And I mean, I'm also, I bring such a positive, buzzy, like attitude to them. that They're just like, okay, like, let's do this. And I'm also I'm a good listener. But I'm all, <laughs> I, and I agree. And, and I, 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 but I can see the clients walking in already on path to what they want to get. But I'm sure that they walk into your place and all of a sudden they get a little sidetracked or they see something that might be of interest and then they start second guessing and then they just start all over again from scratch questioning right i don't know if that happens a lot with i don't think it happens with masons and architects or gcs but i think it could, i could see it happening a lot with homeowners we're like we are a weird little world because there's not there's not a million no options. no it takes a, maybe a dozen but i have had people that have you know our our industry we we hate brochures we hate um because color color distorts yeah we gotta go outside so for the most part we have people that will like drive around in the different subdivisions and they'll look at houses and occasionally that still does happen. We used to do what was called the big red truck tour where like we'd start in the showroom, we'd talk about colors, we'd throw them in a truck and we'd go drive around the subdivision and we'd have a look, you know, at that brick. And it was great because I could listen to husband and wife at the same time and I'm, I'm being very kind of quiet and then somebody will make some type of a comment and then I'll kind of feed off of that. Well, why do you feel that way? You know, is it, are you seeing it being too busy? Is it looking too flat? Um, I'm a very good question asker <laughs> and people are generally when you have them in a vehicle, they tend to be a little bit more vulnerable. Yes. Um, that they'll, they'll tell you what's really going on in their head. There's a destination to get to and they're curious about what's this place going to look like or what are we, what, what should we ask? What are the answers going to possibly be? And, but they've also, they've been prepped before they yeah. come to see me. Stacy is third generation. She knows what it is that she's talking about. You know, I, I have little rules and, my guys always give me a hard time, my brother included. And he's just like, Stace, I will never understand for the life of me how it is that you can say to people, you're getting a little circus freaky without them getting offended. <laughs> and it's just like, sometimes you got to tell them the truth. <laughs> I, I, I give my brother such a hard time because one of, the, one of the last color selections that he had done, and I mean, this goes back quite a number of years. This house sits on this little corner. Homeowners came in. It has like um, taupe uh, stone on it. It has like a red brick. It has a burgundy front door. It's got an orange roof and peach siding. And he's just like, Stace, that's what they picked. And I'm like, Kevin, you have a responsibility here. 
That's that's not a good selection. <laughs> no, but but my brother's very much like, okay, fill your boots, and I'm just like, no, no, no. Because at the end of the day, I know that is my showroom. Yeah. You're going to go back there and go, I built that. I had a hand in that. And and the great thing is when I custom blend, I know that my competition can't have their client like go for a drive and have a look at this house and be like, oh, I love that. Because then they got to try and figure out what it is that it did. <laughs> a little bit of OBC talk here. Masonry veneer. Masonry veneer wall consists of a non-structural layer of masonry. Do you guys get into the veneers? We do. Yeah. I guess it gets popular nowadays yeah people uh maybe they're mixing siding with veneers instead of full bricks um more we find it more in um like renovation market okay renovation we do a lot for interior but it's in terms of exterior veneer um usually renovation project people that have siding on their house they're ripping off the siding they want to add a little skirt of stone obviously they don't have the brick ledge in order to do it veneer that's the best way so yeah typically brick stone manufactured stone the element behind the veneer is structure and maybe masonry concrete timber or metal frame masonry veneer with airspace uh you're carrying all the details right there's the oh yeah yeah you got you got all that stuff right there's because there's a proper way of doing the veneers as well too right so uh so basically you have the airspace which is a an anchored veneer system masonry veneer attached directly to the backing of a so-called adhere veneer Uh, masonry veneer must consist of solid masonry units are all your veneers coming from full bricks or are they all being manufactured just the face of the bricks or is it blend of both vast majority manufactured yeah it's really but back in the early days they used to be cutting the bricks off right they used to be cutting the bricks off such a waste they'd have like even when i worked at cap they had a little like saw house with like a cutting wheel and they would manufacture all of their thin stone veneer all of their thin like brick veneer they would buy it reclaims which is kind of a dying breed on its own um but there are some uh natural stone veneers that you do buy and there's plenty of those companies that are out there but for the most part like the ones that are screw onto the wall that's all man-made it's all man-made right um if masonry veneer is installed over wood frame at least 25 millimeter of airspace is required behind the veneer masonry veneer less than 90 millimeters thick must have unraked joints and if the masonry units are required to be individually supported by structural backing they must conform to csa standards designed of masonry structures i want to ask you What's the trial of choice these days? The trial. Still a lot of rose boys in our backyard. Really, huh? I, it's a nice trial. It is. It's a beautiful trial. But you get a lot of like, oh, I don't really need that. I guess posh. Would it be a right or wrong word for it? Because everyone, I guess, Marshalltown. Like, it kind of comes down to what it is that you grew up on, what you were trained on. Um, rose, they've got like their guarantee. And don't ask me what that guarantee is because it's been a while. Um, but I mean, trials, you're, you're not replacing them once oh, that, a year. It's, it's no, it's that's, yeah, that's yeah. yours for your life. That's yours for your life. <laughs> and, and you've got this one and you use this when you're doing this and you've got this one and you use this when you're doing this. And I, I've got, um, another company out of kind of the London area. They actually make like little hand tools. Um, they're called jawbone tools. Okay. Um, and they make them with the recycled plastic candles so you can get it with pink white blue green um and a couple different sizes in rhino they've got um the little 
slickers that they may and they've got a gooseneck so they they manufacture all these tools and the reason why they've done them in all the different colors is so that they can yell at the laborer hey give me that one with the blue handle <laughs> well that's the easiest way to learn it absolutely and pick it up from there i just know a lot of brickies out there and you know i'll, I'll give a shout out to danny they're out in, in montreal and he's going to come here soon his crew is like uh they just uh they just lay bricks they don't necessarily keep their trials perfectly pristine clean but then you get other masons here why is your trial so dirty should always be kept perfectly clean and then you know their mindset is like wait a minute what's the wall look like what's the brick look like what's everything look like and i get it i get it i understand it but there is a i think there's a lot of pride in the actual tool like at the end of the day your tool should still look good and it's it's almost nerve-wracking to see certain masons beating up the trowel i guess so to speak you know, like oh, and some of them, you see them like tapping the brick with yeah, the back end. Yeah, but but I mean, you you think about it through through anything. If you think about yourself, even growing up, I'm sure that there are things that your father had said to you. This is the way you do it, and well, why? Because this is the this way, that way we you do, do it, it. right? Same <laughs> thing. You didn't answer my question. <laughs> so, well, the same thing when it comes to masons, right? Yes. Whoever the big cheese was, whoever started all of, oh nope. all of these masons, kind of coming down. This is the way they did it. So therefore, this is how they taught their laborers to do it. Those laborers went on to become bricklayers. So therefore, this is how they do it. And any labor that comes up underneath them, this is how they do it. Teaching a young person to get into masonry, it's really not about describing it to it. It's more about watching the person do it, right? You can kind of get more from it instead of someone trying. I don't know. Just describing how I still think magically how some masons can wield that mortar on that trowel and defy gravity, so to speak. And if you try to describe that to somebody who doesn't know how to do it, it's very difficult. But if you try to show it to them, they can eventually pick it up. They, it may take a little while, but they eventually pick it up, right? To me, it's kind of like Mr. Miyagi yeah right you yeah. start wax on wax off okay we're gonna start with mixing the mortar and i mean you're gonna learn pretty quickly if you don't mix that mortar the way that it it's supposed to be mixed those masons are not going to like let you live <laughs> you it will hear that <laughs> so then how do you stack it up on the wall okay this is how you stack it up on the wall now okay now you're on the wall now you understand why it was that it was stacked this way now you understand the different properties of the mason masonry if it's not mixed properly so, okay, now we're going to get you on the line. Okay, now watch me. I'm going to show you. Yep, this is how we butter it. Yep, this is how we install it. Okay, you did it wrong. This is what was wrong. It's it's, it's kind of like it, 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 It's hands-on. As yeah. I, I've got a little bit of a beef, if you will, um, and that is I think it's becoming harder and harder in order to become a tradesperson. Um, I, you know, we look at a lot of the immigrants that are now coming into the country. Yeah. They don't necessarily know how to read and write. <coughs> yeah. Well, I don't care if you can read or write. Can you lay a brick? And they probably can. You know, outside of Canada, and if you go into Europe and Middle East, whatever, there's a lot of concrete brick work going on. And not, not just concrete. So my husband being Egyptian, I've been to Egypt. I have seen the red clay brick. They are, they are using it for fillers in the wall. They, you don't see like um, stick construction. The way that we have over no, here. It doesn't my, exist there. No, my husband looks at it and he's just like, what is this? How could a house cost this much in Canada? And it's just, 
well, honey, that's just kind of the way that it is. And he's like, you know, my family's villa. Like, there, there is no wood that is in this. And it's just like, well, okay, honey, I don't know what you want and me to tell you. this house will always be here. It's never going to go anywhere. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so you, do you have a lot of hope for the generation coming in? Or is it, like, I, I go back to what we talked about earlier. It's just like, this is one of the hardest traits to get in. Not everybody wants to get in. Some people look at it like... Get in this because you could be making 60, 70, get up to 100K, no problem, one year, two, three years into the business. If you're good, if you pay your dues and you learn your lessons and then you're able to wield that trowel, you can make that kind of coin. You are going to be working on a hard environment, scaffolding, you know, job sites, winter, weather, um, but you'll be making some serious money. I, I think I think there is hope for the next generation. And I think that's, you know, Mason's breeding it into each other. But when I look towards the larger city centers where, you know, it's not so old school that like working hard and, and don't get me wrong. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to like trash the people of Toronto. No, um, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, it's a different way of life. Like yes. I, out in the smaller community, it's still like we're going to work hard for a living and this is what we're going to do. And, you know, it's not that, oh, you got to, you got to go to Harvard, you know, you got, you got to go off and you got to be a lawyer. That's the end all be all. We very much, we still have shop class in our area. We are, OYAP is wrapped up in through our high schools. Really? It's not just, we are aware that we need trades and there is honor in being a tradesperson. There's lots of good guys that I know and girls that are here in Toronto, as you know, like the Brick Chicken, doing amazing work. And I'm a, to I'm a total fan. I've been following oh, her on Instagram she, forever. She's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. She's finishing up that granite wall right now, which is, that's not an easy task. Like, that's skill on top of skill, right? It, it's a different set of muscles. Yeah. Masons have a different set of muscles. Yeah. So she, she, she's holding her own more, way more than a lot of the guys out there. But, I mean, you also have uh, Ewan from uh, um, uh, Renaissance, and, and, and you also have um, uh, Ian from uh, Gale Force. There is, as much as I want to diss the Toronto homes, there is a certain, like, we'll drive through certain neighborhoods, and you'll see the homes that have just fallen apart, and that classic Toronto red brick. And those, you know, very narrow, arch, some details, and you'll get those soldier court, you'll these details, and the house has just been beaten, beaten over time, and whether that's beaten because you've had the Europeans come in, you did not take care of it, and either painted the brick, you know, oh my, I know. Don't get me started on Do not brick, paint brick. Like Never. You, you just do not. But they did that for, like, I'm blaming the Italians and the Portuguese. They did that for a period of time in the 70s and 80s, and they, I don't know why, painting the mortar joints. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other world a lack of understanding of yes. the building envelope yes. right? because the brick is dirty and they think if i slap a coat of paint on it it's going to be beautiful again. oh yeah. yeah it'll be beautiful about a week and then you're going to destroy that brick and now you're just going to wreck it but i these these artists like the brick chicken julian and and you and, uh, and, and also ian they see that and they see what it could be and that's where i think a lot of these younger guys and girls will come in and they'll see those homes and you start tuck pointing and you start taking care of and you start start taking out certain bricks and you start fixing it you start shaping it the way it was because these bricks don't exist anymore and they don't and they don't like and and then when they're done with it it's fun. like it's beautiful it is it's absolutely beautiful you've brought and i wish that it's almost like the city or the government would give a fund to all these homes to take care of this because you see this in chicago you see it in new york you see it in boston they take care of those bricks like i've walked around all three of those cities so many times and in awe of the brick 
And I've walked around certain areas and certain neighborhoods in Toronto in awe of the brick and the work that's been done to certain brick. I know it's like ludicrously expensive. Like it's just insane expensive to do this. But what you bring back is insane. Absolutely. Like that home looks amazing at that point. So, But, but there is... You know, I, I know there's an awful lot of talk about like green belt building and development and all the rest of this that is going on. Um, you know, there's this big push on, you know, we've got to put in like multi-residential. I know Ancaster, where I currently live, part of the reason why I live in Ancaster <coughs> is it's still got that small town feel. And that's what I love. But I'm now kind of watching this development come in. And although there was these agreements that were kind of put in place when Ancaster amalgamated, now it's just like you've got companies that want to come in and put up seven-story like skyscrapers. Have they started? Not yet. Next year. Where they, they keep fighting it back and forth, right? The developers want this, and, you know, the city comes back and they say, nah, you know, technically by plan you can only do this. And then there's kind of this middle ground. And the guy that we, we just got in for council, he's really big into, you know, preservation for what it is where I'm not sure that the guy that was just going out necessarily felt the same way. Um, but you, you look at those neighborhoods in Toronto and you go, where are you going to put all those people? Those beautiful homes that you and I love that have those beautiful red bricks and yellow bricks? <clears throat> you know where it's going to go. I do. Like that's the unfortunate thing is I, I almost, I don't agree with it, first of all. Um, I almost wish the city would spend a little bit of money that they waste on every other thing and 3D model a neighborhood. Show me what that row of homes on that street would look like as a triplex on every single one. And then show that to the people. And I think you will have up arms in the air saying, mm, I'm a, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm completely sold on this anymore. I think you've got to be careful about how much you give or allow. Because what if every single home does do that? I get it that people can't afford homes and you can't park them on a plot and then build their dream home, but they can afford a floor mm -hmm. and that's what they're trying to sell. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not looking at the cause and effect of the neighborhood and what's going to happen as a result of that. So if you're adding two more dwellings on top of the single dwelling, you've got, you're adding two more vehicles per uh, lot. What's that congestion going to be like? You're just assuming everybody's on a bicycle. You're assuming everybody's on public. You're assuming it's a single person living in each floor. There are a lot of assumptions here, which I don't think is going to be the case because it's open to everybody's interpretation. It's going to probably be a family on every single floor. It's probably going to be one more extra car on every single road. Well, and, and don't even think single family because I can tell you, you know, I, I always say we've got a lot of Brampton dollars that are coming west. Okay. You know, a lot of, because they figured out they can sell their house in Brampton and they can buy like three houses into London for that same kind of dollars. Um, I, I've got to give credit where credit is due, because let me tell you, Indian immigrants, very, very smart. We are going to take two or three families and we are going to put them in a home. We are all going to work together and then we are going to buy another home and then you can go live in that home and then you can go live in that home. Wasn't that the model of the 60s and 70s? It, it probably was. I mean, the Europeans coming here, wasn't that? They were... Not everybody could afford a home back then, so they would kind of live with a, a, a family member, a, an uncle, whatever, and then you kind of worked, and then you got enough to buy, and then you moved on, and then you moved out. Mm -hmm. But that was the model back then. They're just the latest kids on the block. That's all it is. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, uh, back to painted bricks. I just... 
<laughs> do people still do it there? I haven't. You know what? If I actually saw someone doing it, I think I might have to stop and speak. I might have to become a Karen. I don't know. I might have to become a Karen and just say, what the hell are you doing? I, I, I don't see people as much doing it I've never on seen their that. own. Uh, it, it used to be like I used to have people that would come in, you know, and this is probably going back about 10 years and ask me about painting their brick. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You never paint brick. But now we've also got companies like SprayNet. Um, the staining of it, right? And they're staining. Yeah. But stain looks like paint to the untrained eye. They don't know. They're not educated to know that that's a special material. So, you know, Joe Homeowner kind of looks over and goes, ah, you know, the blue would look awfully nice up there. <laughs> I guess it would be black, huh? Like a lot of a black lot of painting. Black, a lot of black, a lot of white. <sighs> or oh, even white. Yeah, there'd be two extremes. Why not just get a black brick? Get a white brick. Because the cost of being uh, able to pull it down off, uh, right? I, I just I just like asking dumb questions, that's all. Just, because that's what I would do. It gets a little frustrating when you... Uh, paint brick right away even though on an interior interior application why not just get that colored brick i guess it's more expensive but it looks like it's painted and why'd you do that the mason spent the time and effort to build that property but homeowners can't always argue with them no and, and i mean that's the thing is we we like to we like to look at the generation that's gone by and i mean they were handy they had skills and as this next generation comes up it's you pay for it Right? They don't they don't know how to do these things themselves. That's gotta eventually change though, Stacey. Don't you think? Like I, I, at some point the percentage of that group is gonna say, wait a minute, why are we paying for this? Why don't we figure it out? YouTube it and we'll figure it out ourselves. But then they just create a car crash. Here here's the thing, and this is one of the things that I've always learned, and you know, my mother has kind of drilled it into me over the years. You've got time or you've got money. And I mean, I guess if you got the time then you can do it yourself. But if you don't have the time, then you're making money. You're going to have to pay someone else. That's just how it is. That's life. Hire the people that have skill. It's going to cost. And you'll get it done properly. Hopefully. <laughs> what else you want to touch upon on brick? We're just going to get close to wrapping it up. But I'm curious. I think we, we've touched upon a lot of stuff about brick. Hmm. Let's see. Do people buy a lot of four-inch limestone sills, full pieces? Or is that just too expensive these days? Um, I'm going to say there's still that 10%. I changed all mine. I yeah. had I had that original concrete, two and a half inch, whatever, a split face, two pieces on a two foot wide window. Here's the important part, Manny. This is what I need to know. This is what separates the men and I, the boys. I'm getting nervous. <laughs> in one piece? Or installed in two pieces. I went as far as uh, there was one window that I needed a 10-footer, and I did it in one piece. I didn't there do a go. joint on a single one. Every single one was four-inch, rock-faced, uh, proper drip edge on them already, full six-inch depth, and I, di and I, I didn't have the vehicle to transport a 10-foot piece of still that, that long, but I did it. I figured it out. I actually built a little platform to put it in my vehicle so I can rest it on a flat surface while I transported it to get to it. And I put that, and that was on a second story too. Oh, wow. Because I just, as much as there's artists out there that know how to do the control joint properly and do the caulking and, and do all that stuff, I just don't think sills should have joints in them. No, I, I, I had this argument. There was a builder that went into Listowel, Ontario, Toronto builder from Newmarket. 
And I remember sitting down in their office with them and we were going down through product. We were talking about Indiana limestone sill. And they're just like, oh, we've always used like uh, these little sills that are like 32 inches. And I'm just like, yeah. Cringe. Oh, absolutely cringing at them. And he's just like, you're telling me that's garbage? And I'm just like, I'm telling you that's garbage. (laughs) And he goes, I've even got it on my own personalism. I'm like, that's garbage. And I, I remember I had um, I had a couple of friends. They had built with um, an Oakville builder. Okay. Very large size Oakville builder, shall we say, um, down in Kitchener. And in phase one, they had used these little sills. Little three-foot pieces little or 32 in? Okay. Underneath the front door, the water was getting in, buckled all the floors. Now in phase two, three, four, five, whatever phase they're on now, now they're using like granite that they're importing from China. And then all the rest is still still these little three footers, but at least they stopped the problem as far as the water coming in through the front door. I've always used a full piece. And if it's to match the house and it's rock faced, and then I've scribed whatever decking material that was there or whatever is going to go there, it's going to get scribed to the stone. So it just like, and obviously it's got the, the sl- slope on it. Right, a proper slope, not like not a dramatic slope, just because you all just make sure guaranteed, just drop it like this on forty five degrees or something. No, not that crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I can see some guys doing that on a a hard thirty degree, which is too much. Five, seven degrees, that's where you want to, and then you know the water runoff. But it's never failed. The point is, and plus, this is the front door. This is the first impression. So when you see it from the street, it looks beautiful. Once you come closer and you knock on the door, it looks beautiful. You don't want to see a control joint. You don't want to see a nothing and no it, it to me it's just i i even ran into this with a, a builder that i'm i'm really really good friends we're like we're like peas and carrots he he builds like 50 plus houses a year and wow. i mean i watched this guy go from under 20 up to 50 in a very short period of time he started doing these uh modern builds so he wanted to be able to use like flat sills easiest way to do it because it's it's a problem getting them up out of indiana with flat faces on them yeah it's a premium it, it, well it, it's a premium but guess how many of them break on the way so he wanted to use the, these flat face sills. So we found reversible ones, but I, I had to have the conversation with him. And I'm just like, listen, all your thresholds, we are going to use full pieces of sill. Okay. Okay. No, if that's what you say, I got to do. And I'm just like, do you, do you want to pay for the floors to buckle? No, I don't want to pay for the floors to buckle. Then, okay, this is what we're going to use for the thresholds. All the rest of them, you want to use the little guys? Eh, okay, don't love it, but eh, okay. I really wish we'd just get rid of the little ones. So do I, but it's become such it's a... It's the norm now. It, it's become the norm. And I mean, here, here's even the thing with that. All of the limestone sills that you see all across, you know, the GTA, Toronto, everywhere, they're all coming out of Indiana. Bloomfield, Indiana. <laughs> you know what's funny, Stacey, is that the sills are getting smaller and the bricks are getting longer. And at some point, you're going to get a mason grab them and go, is this a brick or a sill? <laughs> then it shouldn't be a sill if you're asking that question because a sill should be length. Absolutely. Right? It should just be one piece. That's just a mandatory. That's how it should be. It's irksome for me, in, unless you're putting it like onto a concrete patio. It's irksome for me when I see people put in like a 10 foot patio door because I'm already going to myself. There's going to be a joint. You, you can't put a sill. I know. You're, you're, going, you're going to have to do a joint and what's really holding it from the top. And at some point in time, somebody's coming in and out of that patio door that that is going to give way. And we know this because, hey, we, we as human beings have been around in the world long enough. 
we know nobody is going around inspecting the windows every year in order to make sure that you know there's a little bead of caulk that is running over top or that that mortar joint hasn't fallen out i know the chiropractor that i go to in burlington his building not even 10 years old maybe 10 years old somewhere in there hockey's still there no no (laughs) he's got like he's got holes in between like where the sills are all touching and i'm just and i tell him every time i go he's like oh yeah i don't know i i saw that i mm mm-hmm Oh, it's back to cost thing. Uh, let me share the last segment here. Green Book Talk. Maximum fines and the largest OSHA fines. Any idea how high these can get? No idea. In the millions. Uh, maximum fines. So as of July 1st, 2022, maximum fines for OSHA violations have raised. Before July 1st, maximum fines were locked in at 100K. After July 1st, the maximum fine for individuals like supervisors and workers is 500K and up to 12 months imprisonment. Directors and officers is 1.5 million and up to 12 months imprisonment. Corporations is 1.5 million. To date, the largest OSHA fine ever imposed was 1.05 million. Fine against Vail Canada Limited in 2013 after the deaths of two workers in a Sudbury mine. Wow, so it's good that they've increased all these things. The maximum fine at the time for the corporation was 500 grand per count. However, Vail and Ico, Ico, uh, a corporation Vail purchased, had more than 11 prior convictions of OSHA violations. Vail also required a, uh, to pay a victim fine surcharge of 25%, bringing the total to over 1.3 million. Wow. It's, not, it's always bad when someone passes away on the job site. So, Stacy. Uh, I think we've covered quite a bit before I get into 12 questions of construction. Well, can we, can we talk about a little bit about safety? Yes, please. So here's my thing. I'm a believer we are all responsible for ourselves. Yes. At the end of the day, it is a bad day. I don't care who you are when the workers don't come home. Yeah. Um, I was always trained when you come off a porch top because, you know, we measure the houses. You come off the porch top. Use the stairs or you use the boards. Don't jump off the porch top. If there is a zoom boom on site, you never walk under the zoom boom. As far as the front porch, if the front porch is not poured, you don't know what's under there. Be very, very careful where it is that you step. If you walk onto a job site, you wear your hard hat. And the reason you wear your hard hat is not because you're worried about health and safety. You wear that hard hat because you do it consistently. You do it every time. And if that job site gets shut down, you are not responsible. There is a line, though, as an employer, there is a line where, you know, there's a certain amount of you have to trust your employees when you send them off into the world. Yeah. That if they choose not to wear a hard hat, why should I be fined? If they choose not to wear their work boots and, you know, I don't necessarily catch it. Like, am I supposed to like, you know, COVID protocol here and like, you know, inspect you, make sure that you're OK, take I your temperature? Why should I, as an employer, be responsible for that? Now, don't get me wrong. You get into mining, okay. Like, we're not talking... Dangerous environments. Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about, like, things that go boom here. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if we're talking about, like, new home construction and whatnot, you know, there is a certain amount of, yeah, you you got to be responsible for yourself. I, I am not your mom. I am not going to call you up, don't forget to wear your hard hat today. I have an expectation. We are going to talk about it every once in a while, but why am I getting fined because you're a dumbass? My biggest problem are clients. The freedoms that they have regarding the ministry and what they're allowed to do and not do and have their kids roaming around, walking around a job site. We're all familiar with it when you get on a job site. We can 
we have eyes behind our head most of the time and we can see where things are not perfectly safe or there is moments of when you're doing construction you got to remove safety railings you got to remove certain elements to get new finish elements in there so there, there's items that you can get hurt from but homeowners are allowed to freely walk around with their stilettos and the kids and the shoes and not even think or even walk around with no hard hats they're allowed to do that i'm against that 100 percent. i'm against 100 percent too but i believe it has to be a conversation and i mean does. as we are surrounded by introverts in this generation um you kind of get got to get over it you got to be able to talk about money you got to be able to talk about safety listen you know when you come to the house this is when you are going to come to the house um you know these days this is who is going to be on site or this is not going to be who's on site um i'm also a believer you know when you as a tradesperson leave the site at the end of the night you should be leaving it in pristine condition yes. because that really shows a reflection of if this is the shit that you leave on the floor, what shit have you done in my wall? Clean it up. Clean, Clean it, it up. up before you leave. Absolutely. Start the next day fresh. But I, I had a builder at one point in time. He had told me years and years ago um, when he was on a different company at that point, he actually, he had it built in that they would buy a pair of work boots for the homeowner and a hard hat. And that hard hat would be a very distinct color. That way he could tell when the homeowners were like bebopping and coming to site. Now, <laughs> I have another set of buddies. They they built down a Kitchener um, with Madame. And all of a sudden, like, there's this loudspeaker going off in the middle of the night because he, he, he's, he's a sparky, right? So he's, like, pulling his own wires and <laughs> all the rest of it. And, and, like, over the loudspeaker, it's like, leave the property. The authorities have been called. And he's just like... Can they see me? <laughs> that's too funny. But that's what we do. We always do that anyway as tradespeople. Absolutely. But, right. when, but when it comes to safety, where does this responsibility begin and end? Yeah. And like, bless the corporate, bless the bureaucratic crap. At the end of the day, we just want to do a good job. It just takes a split second. It does. Split second and then you can, your life changes dramatically. Absolutely. Right. And just the people around you too. Be smart. Just be be smart. I, I know wearing a hard hat is not always the most comfortable thing, but if I'm measuring around a house and the roofer's up on top, I know it doesn't take very much for that shingle in order to slide off. I've seen hydraulics go bad. Don't walk underneath the zoom boom because if the hydraulic just happens Slams to go. Slams down. It's dangerous. Stacy, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really well, glad that you thank came you, here. Thank you for having me. I was nervous, but thank no, you for having me. You're not. No, everybody always comes here and they enjoy it. They love it. So Stacy from Tri-County Brick, sales manager, residential uh, color specialist, www.tricountybrick.com, Stacy at tricountybrick.com, tricounty-countybrick on Facebook, and Tri-County Brick on Instagram. You ready for the 12 questions? I am, I am. What is your favorite construction word? Giver. What is your least favorite construction word? cheap what turns you on in construction architecture what turns you off in construction boring ticker tacker subdivisions mm. they're trying they're trying by doing different things now you know what you just i'm trying to give them some credit <laughs> there, there, there are some builders and i mean they do they hit 50, that, that 50 houses a year and they figure like they can save a buck by using the same stone on every house we have leftover we got leftover. We we can just keep using it and pulling it from here, but it's just like now the subdivision just all looks the same. What is your favorite curse word? Fuckity. <laughs> what is your favorite vehicle? 
a Mercedes Benz AMG S63 Formatic 5.5 liter eight cylinder twin turbo with 603 horsepower and 664 torque. Why not just get a Maybach? <sighs> yeah, you know what it really comes from. It's I like mean, this, this, quite surprised, is it? Well, no, no, no. I, I'll be honest with you. At, at my at my core, I am a Toyota Camry. And, and my husband will tell you, I am a Toyota Camry. I, I like simple. I like things that do not break down. I go from point A to point B. But I watch the show Yellowstone. And She's driving a Bentley now. She is driving a Bentley, but she was driving. Oh, and that, that and what she was driving was a pretty sexy vehicle. That's what I'm saying, my friend. And I'm just like, yeah, no, g- g- give me a little bit of that. I wouldn't drive it, but I mean, I can have an appreciation for it. <laughs> Uh, what is your least favorite vehicle? Minivans and their drivers. <laughs> so the both of them combined. What construction sound or noise do you love? Um, job sites where people are singing. Yeah, it's actually nice. It's very, very nice. Yeah, you know that the people are happy. You know that they enjoy working for that builder. You you know you're on a good site with a good crew. What construction sound or noise do you hate? The saw. Cut. Okay, the quick cut. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Um, I always thought if I could have gone back in time, because I actually I went to school for social work, um, but if I could have gone back in time and done it all over again, I would have been an architect. I think that just would have been awesome. I could see that. What profession would you not like to do? Anything involving a cubicle. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Girl, I've never seen it done the way you did it, but that was one hell of a ride. <laughs> Stacy, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a thrill just talking brick with you. All the best. Everybody check it out. Tri-County Brick, uh, www.tricountybrick.com, Stacy at tricountybrick.com, and on social media, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. Thank you so much. Thank you. We Thank you, Angelina. We are out of here.